Wednesday night I had uh, the uh, privilege of ministering a message, Can I Get a Witness? The Witness Detection Program. How many of you were here Wednesday night? This is along the same line. And just uh, by way of introduction, we are familiar in our day and our age with something called witness protection. You see, in high-profile court cases, key witnesses are oftentimes putting their life in jeopardy because they're providing testimony that would incriminate someone that is uh, being accused of a high-profile crime. And so, in exchange for their testimony, many times the authorities provide protection for that witness. And what they do is that they'll make allowances for you to relocate you, change your name, take you and your family to some great place. I see Tahiti sounds good right about now. That sounded good last, last Wednesday night. Go to Tahiti, change your name, and then you just kind of blend in, and they just set you up for life. Like, hmm, not too bad, huh? Just kiss this goodbye, right, Charles? But see, as Christians, and then you blend in and nobody knows where you are, people can't find you. See, in Christendom, God is not looking to protect witnesses, to hide them and make them incognito. God is looking for you to be a light in your generation. So what you need is a witness detection so that you've got to stand out like a sore thumb. <laughs> so when everybody is going wrong, you might be the one person that's going right. When everybody's going the way of hatred, you're going the way of love. When everybody's freaking out, you've got the way of peace. When everybody's full of questions, you're the one with some answers. Come on, help me somebody. Boy, I like this 11 o'clock crew. Those of you listening by podcast can't see what I'm holding, but it's this, this kind of eerie yellow piece of paper with some burgundy uh, printing on it. Uh, how many you know what this is? Ah, uh, let me see. I'm looking around the crowd to see how many of you like, oh, man. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Did you just have yours? Check rods. Give me five. Give me five. Give me five. Yeah. Jury summons. Wow. Participant number and the whole thing. Report here and this and that. What in the world is this? Well, a jury summons is an official order by a high authority ordering you to appear or to come and be in place or to do something. And it carries the weight of the law behind it. A summons. <laughs> I'm not, to serve. Now listen, I don't know why my wife always gets these and I don't. I don't know. I, I do not have a criminal record. I, I hardly have traffic tickets. I mean, hey, come on, you know. Have a good credit record. Why don't they want me? But anyway, but you know, I'm holding my hand one of these summons. And friends, my message today is entitled, uh, Can I Get a Witness? A Call for Compassion. Yeah. A call, or you might say a summons for compassion. You'll see what we're getting at. I believe God is ramping up our heart at heart of the bay to have a heart for the bay. Amen. Yes. Amen. Hallelujah. Now, it's not like we've been doing bad. I mean, I love the outreaches we've been doing. And don't get... I felt... Did you feel that I could feel the, the crowd go... Ooh. Like, oh, outreach. Oh. No, 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 no. Wait. Hang in with me. We're going to have a good time today. Trust me. 
Trust me, you want to be that witness. <laughs> you want to be a part of this. So let me read a couple of opening scriptures for you. Isaiah chapter 60, if you have a Bible, turn there with me. Verse 1 through 3, it says, Arise, shine, for thy light is come. And the glory of the Lord is risen upon thee. For behold, verse 2, the darkness shall cover the earth and gross darkness the people. How many know we're surrounded with gross darkness? But the Lord shall arise upon thee and his glory shall be seen upon thee. And Gentiles, which is representative of those that are outside of the covenant of God or basically lost people shall come to thy light and kings to the brightness of thy rising. Somebody say, arise, Arise. shine, Shine. heart of the bay. Jesus said this in Matthew chapter 5, verse 14 and 15. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hid. Neither do men hide or light a candle and put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick, and it giveth light unto all that are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. Now let me read that to you in the Message Bible. I really like this. We're still by way of introduction Matthew 5:14 and 15 in the message bible says this you could see it up there on the screen they do a great job thank you so much if you're on the media team thank you triple thank you and if you want to know, find out more about the media team talk to me after service you're being summoned hallelujah to go up hither all right moving right along another way to put it you're here to be light Bringing out the God colors in the world. God is not a secret to be kept. We're going public with this. As public as a city on a hill. If I make you light bearers. You don't think I'm going to hide you under a bucket do you? I'm putting you on a light stand. Now that I've put you there on a hilltop. On a light stand. Everybody say it. Shine. Keep open house. Be generous with your lives. By opening up to others, you'll prompt people to open up with God. And this generous Father in heaven. I want to back up there. I just got something as I was ministering in the first service. Keep open house. How many of you have ever dealt in a real real estate transaction before? And you know the realtor puts the little sign out there and says that this is an open house. Now, if you've ever done house shopping before, or if you ever put a house on the market, you know, they spruce it up, or you spruce out your property. I like your house. God bless you guys. He sure did. But that's how it starts. Before you buy into something, before you commit your life to something, you want to see. You want to gotta step inside and see what exactly are you asking me to pay what? Say what? You're asking me to pay what for? See, because when you give your life to Christ... You don't hold back. It's all. You turn it all. You cash in all your cards. Boy, we might get to that cards message someday. But you cash in all your cards for a new hand. Not some. That's the one play you have in Christ is you cannot hold things back. It's everything for Christ or else you haven't really gone for the Lord. So anyway, we need to give people a preview of the goodness of God. And it says, keep open house. Be generous with your lives. 
by opening up to others. You'll prompt people to open up with God. Think about that. I know that we haven't gone into the meat of the message yet, but trust me, this is very significant for you to be open to other people. And your openness to people is many times the key that will open their hearts to God. You'll prompt people, open up with God, this generous Father in heaven. Hallelujah. Now, uh, I wonder if I should share, share that. Always, here's a little, a little tidbit. When you are holding open house, you can't show what you don't have. You cannot give what you do not have. Uh, one of the apostles said this. He says, silver and gold have I none, but such as I have, I give thee in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Stand up and walk. We're talking about an invalid that had never walked ever. He immediately rose up and received strength. That was, somebody say that was a miracle. But he said, such as I have, give I thee. So see, these, these guys, they had been walking with this and they had, the, they had been exercised in this and this is what they had. Well, you might say to me, I'm not an apostle. I, you know, how, what do I have to give? Well, I encourage Christians now to always give what you have and you'll be surprised at how much you do have. When you walk in the light that you have, it's always real. You have something, Christian. Like the woman at the at the well that all she knew she came in touch with real life for the first time in her existence she came across Jesus Christ the real one and she said I perceive that you're a prophet she's used to being around religious people that are just condemning her because she lives with so many guys hello but what happened was she, she came in touch with the real thing and she got excited about it did she get a theological degree somebody said no Did she know all the books of the Bible? Somebody said no. I don't even know if she knew how to quote scripture. But she knew something. She says, I've come in touch with the real thing. And with that one real thing, talk about reality TV. With the real thing that she came in contact with. She took that one simple truth and the entire town came to see Jesus. The entire town. Just think about that. Think about your city. Think about Newark. Think about Fremont. Think about Oakland. Think about uh, San Mateo. Think about San Francisco. Is it possible for that to happen today? Is it possible? Well, let me tell you something. As long as you have something that's real and you're sharing it and it's alive, it's alive to you. A real testimony, a real word of something you experience will always yield fruit. Don't ever let the enemy steal what you have or make you think that it's insignificant. Hallelujah. Trust trust in what God has given you. Even if you were just born again today, you've got something that you could share. Hallelujah. Okay, moving right along. Uh, so let me, let me just clarify a few things or read a couple more scriptures by way of introduction. We are to walk in the light that we know. And 1 Peter 2.9 states this so marvelously in the Amplified Bible. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood. I'm reading from the Amplified Version, 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 9. A royal priesthood, a dedicated nation, God's own purchased special people, that you may set forth the wonderful deeds... The wonderful deeds and display the virtues and the perfections of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. 
I want to make a distinction here that yes, we're to go into all the world and preach the gospel. But I want to note here that he's talking about us doing deeds and displaying virtues. In other words, not just talk, Pastor Tom, something like deeds. So the world is not so much interested in your bumper sticker, the little I love Jesus bumper sticker, if you're driving like the devil. Come on. Why is that? Because, you're, because your attitude and your behavior and your driving preaches a whole lot louder than your bumper sticker. And being impatient at the grocery store and being mean to people and being selfish talks a whole lot louder than that I love Jesus t-shirt you might be wearing. Good preaching. You know, my mom's in glory, but I can't do the Mario thing anymore, but you know. Look at what it says in 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14 and 16. I feel something today. I feel the presence of God. He's about to put a major impartation into our life. Notice this. But thanks be to God who in Christ always leads us in triumph as trophies of Christ's victory. And through us spreads and makes evident the fragrance of the knowledge of God everywhere. For we are the sweet fragrance of Christ which exhales unto God. Discernible alike among those who are being saved and those who are perishing. Friend, you're a trophy. We are trophies in God. And without you even opening your mouth, I'm not saying don't open your mouth, but I'm saying without you even opening your mouth, you're on display. And you are displaying the very victory of Christ. The people around us need to know that you can win in life. There's enough misery all around. They need to see someone proof positive that is walking in something that makes sense out of this crazy world. And you walking in the joy of the Lord or the grace of God will speak volumes because people today are losing their minds. Even on your worst day. As a Christian, which you would consider the evil day, having done all to stand, stand therefore, he says in the book of Ephesians. But even on your worst day, it's still light years ahead of what a lost person with demonic activity all over them, bound by the most treacherous devils, demons, and oppressive spirits. Come on, help me someone. Because you are the head and not the tail as a member of the body of Christ. I want to just point out a few things from this scripture. First of all, Christ leads us into triumph and the world is hungry for Christ's victory. They're hungry for proof of Christ's victory. You're that trophy. Now, we're just about ready into the meat of the message. Philippians chapter 2.15 in the King James Version says this, that you may be blameless and harmless the sons of God without rebuke in the midst, check this out, of a crooked and perverse nation among whom you shine as lights. Did you catch that, friends? I know it's pretty dark out there. I understand that. I know the type of evil that is in the world. But we are, as Jesus declared, we are the light 
at this time to the world. I know Jesus was the light. He, then he called us the light. And we're called to be a light to the world. And the more evil it is out there, the more we need to shine. In, right in the middle of a crooked situation. Right in the middle of an evil situation. Right in the middle of a perverse situation. You shine as lights. Now, let me take you to... Now we're, now we're getting into our message. Second Timothy chapter 3. Are you with me so far? Come on, friends. Just pull a little bit more. You're going to hear something today that's going to bless your soul. It says in 2 Timothy chapter 3 verse 1, But understand this, that in the last days will come set in perilous times of great stress and trouble, hard to deal with and hard to bear. For people will be lovers of self and utterly self-centered. Lovers of money and aroused by an inordinate greedy desire for wealth. Proud and arrogant and contemptuous boasters. They will be abusive, blasphemous, scoffing, disobedient to parents. Ungrateful, unholy, profane. Now I'm going to park it on verse 3. They will be without natural human affection. Callous and inhuman. Let's just stop right there. I want you to read this with me and say it with me out loud. They will be without natural human affection, callous and inhuman. Stop right there. We are living in a very mean world. People that are without Christ are very, very mean. And unfortunately, it's crept into the church a little bit. But let me talk to you a little bit about what it means to be humane. Humane. Uh, a humane is, is an adjective that describes something that is marked by compassion, sympathy, or consideration. Having or showing compassion or benevolence marked or motivated by a concern with the alleviation of suffering. You might say this. More than just a feeling, but also with a desire to help and to actually do something. The desire to actually do something. Now here it is, we're going to get in. Are you ready to get into the thick of this? I used to ride the bus. I lived in San Francisco, born and reared there. And I got around on the bus, you know, uh, most everywhere I went. School, at work, everywhere was on Muni. So I'm used to riding Muni, at least way back then as a kid. And I recall oftentimes when I would get, we would be on the bus and the bus would be full. And then there would be like an elderly lady that would get on the bus and she's got some bags with her, right? And she's all alone. Who knows? You know, 70, 80 year old lady can hardly walk. Are you with me so far? She gets up and she's slowly moving into the bus. And she's opening her little coin purse and she pays her little whatever it is that she pays. And then she turns to look and there are no seats available. Now let me paint a very vivid and a very real and true picture for you. When I was a kid, if there was a woman that got on the bus like that, we would not hesitate to get up out of our seat. And there would be several of us that would get up and say, here, you can have this seat. It's almost like we would clamber over all these young men standing up to show some respect for heaven's sakes. Give this lady a place to sit. Today, it's a different story. 
You could go on BART. You could go there. And when, the, when it's full, tough. You got all these kids. Man, I'm busy tweeting. I'm on my little deal. I'm listening to my music. I'm grooving out, baby, grooving out. And you could have an elderly person barely able to get onto the bus, barely able to hang on when it's moving, and she's going like this, and oblivious, oblivious. That never happened when I was a kid. But something has happened in our lifetime going back, I don't know, like in the 50s, 60s, 70s. It just continually began to happen. People became continually more callous, continually more selfish. Yeah, selfies. Wow. Friends, there are certain things. Look, we're not even talking about Christianity here. We're just talking about basic human response. I mean, this is documented, you know, from, with psychologists, not even, not even talking about Christ. But there are certain human responses, that, certain things that when you step into uh, that uh, arena, it should elicit a response. Now, let me give you an example. You open the door, and there's a little baby kitten curled up on your front step. Now, you may not like kittens. But there's something about a a helpless little, young, little kitten on the doorstep. And it looks up at you with those eyes. What is it that we all feel? Come on, help me out. Oh, come on. Am I the only one? I don't even like cats. But am I the only one? Listen, listen, listen. You open the door. There's a little kitten. And it goes, And what do you do? You go, oh. And you pick up that little furry little ball. You bring it close to your heart, and it kind of opens its eyes, and it looks at you and says, I'm in trouble. Somebody say, I'm in trouble. I don't even like cats, our Charles, but I am so in trouble. Is that right? That it should elicit a certain response. I mean, I don't know why that's... I mean, you even, even if you went to the zoo and you saw a young, you know, a young little uh, whatever, a young... Uh, uh, help me out. Uh, a young animal, a, l- a little baby one. Elephant. Yeah, yeah, really. Really, even a young little elephant. And you say... And, and most of the time, we'll stand at the rail and we will go... Ah, ah. Right? <laughs> How cute, Right? That makes headlines. Ah, we have a baby whatever. Ah. (laughs) But see, we live in a generation where things are so bad, so hard, that the love of many is waxing cold. And Jesus already declared this ahead of time in Matthew chapter 24 and verse 12. It says, and because iniquity shall abound, the love of many shall what? Wax cold. People are, we're very protective. We don't want to get involved. Oh, you've heard about it. You've heard about the mugging in Central Park. The place is full of people. There's a helpless woman saying, help, help. And he's getting mugged. The person's being taken and nobody does a thing. Why? Nobody wants to get involved. Why don't they want to get involved? First of all, they're callous. Secondly, they don't want to get hurt. Fear. fear thank you. Thank you, Cheryl. Fear. Fear. That's exactly right. But let me, let me just uh, continue reading just a couple of things. I feel that you're catching... You're, we're on a journey here this morning. We're, we're not here for long, but we're here on a journey. God's working on something. Let's look at Isaiah 58, verse 6 through 14. We won't read the whole thing. But this is the chosen fast... 
that God has chosen to loose the bonds of wickedness, to undo the, the bands and the yoke, to let the oppressed go free, that you break every enslaving yoke. And verse 7 it says, Is it not to divide your bread with the hungry and bring the homeless poor into your house? When you see the naked that you cover them, and when you hide yourself from the need, that you not hide yourself from the needs of your own flesh and blood? Friends, for those of us that are really believing God for miracles, look what it says in the next verse. I believe that would be eight. It says, then shall your light break forth like the morning and then your healing and your restoration and power of a new life shall spring forth speedily. And then your righteousness, your rightness and your justice, your right relationship with God shall go before you before you conducting you to peace and prosperity. And then the glory of the Lord shall be your rear, rear guard. Somebody say, and then. And you call on the Lord and he will answer. You shall cry and he'll say, here I am. Come on, friends. Let's look at verse 10. If you pour out that which you sustain your own life for the hungry and satisfy the need of the afflicted, then somebody say then. Somebody say and then. And then. Your light will rise in the darkness. What did Jesus say you are? You're the light of the world. And then your light will rise in darkness. And your obscurity and gloom will become like noonday. Somebody say glory. glory. So friends, we're here to be the light. And if you feel shy and you feel like, I don't know what to say. I don't know what to say. I'm going to quote something that you've probably heard before. And I'm going to put a disclaimer with it. Because despite the fact that people generally quote this. And they think that this person made this quote. A very famous person. Uh, this person actually, we can't, there is no documentation to actually state that he did. But he did something similar. Have you ever heard this? Preach the gospel at all times. If necessary, use words. Have you ever heard that before? Uh, you know what? There's something about that that really rings true in Christendom. You feel like, yeah, man, right on. You know, I don't care about the bumper sticker. How are, how are you being generous with your driving? I don't care about your T-shirt. Are you being nice to people? You know, that, that. and then, so, so this is what I do know. St. Francis of Assisi, right? Uh, this is what he did. Uh, he, was, uh, he was the founder of the Franciscan Order of Friars Minor. And this is what he said. All friars, however, should preach by their deeds. Let me read that again. All friars, however, should preach by their deeds. That kind of lines up with scriptures, which says, don't just do something in word only, but let's get in there and let's do something. Somebody says, do something. Can I have the, okay, can I have the guys say this? Let's do something. Right on, right on. Do something. So I believe the essence of the saying resonates clearly in our heart that the witness of God is not just in word, but it's also in deed. Now watch this. How Jesus went about doing good, Acts 10.38, how he went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil, right? So, so what were the acts of Jesus? He went about teaching, preaching, and healing. But it also didn't say this. He also went about feeding, didn't he? A lot of the miracles... Just a thought, Jesus operated in compassion. And, you know, that whole scripture where it talks about the feeding of the 5,000, um, you, you understand that he had compassion on the crowd. So let, let's talk about this compassion thing just one more time. The ability to put yourself in another person's place and to feel the, the pain that they're feeling. All right, let, let's, talk, let's talk about this again a little, a little bit. Instead of being disconnected, 
the amazing ability that God has given us to actually put ourselves in someone else's place and to actually feel what they're feeling. But it, that would be sympathy if it just stopped right there. Like, brother, I feel you, man. I feel you. Okay, I'm glad you feel me, but how about let's do something. This is where compassion takes it to the next step. Not only do you feel it, but you also step to the next level, which is you do something about it. If there's anything that you could do about it, you do it. You step up to the plate and you do something. You're going to see in a few moments that doing something could be extremely significant in the life of people. Extremely, extremely significant. The word compassion means a deep awareness and sympathy of the suffering, suffering of another. It also has a second dif- definition. The humane quality of understanding the s- suffering of others and wanting to do something about it. Hallelujah. And see, to be compassionate, to, to pity, to be kind-hearted, it means to be tender-hearted, to be sensitive and affectionate, to be moved with tender feelings over the pain and the sufferings of Others. Now, Jesus said this. He said, lift up your eyes. You know, he said, pray to the Lord. At the same place where he, where he, um, he fed the 5,000, he, he had compassion on the crowd because they were like sheep without a shepherd. And there's that same portion of Scripture where he said, he said he looked up at the crowd and he had compassion on them. He put himself in their place. What would it be like? Say that. What would it be like, would it be like? if... They were like sheep without a shepherd. And so, you know, so, and, and mind you, he, he had compassion on them under duress. I, 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 I think that's over there on, uh, in, in the book of Mark, chapter 6, verse 30 through 44. You don't have to turn there. But I want you to understand something. He had compassion and fed the 5,000 and he healed them in a situation that was really, really very interesting. I want, you to, I want you to hear this. I mean, he had worked not only a double shift, a triple shift. Listen to this in verse 30 of Mark chapter 6. Then the apostles gathered to Jesus and told him all things, both what they had done and said and, and what they had taught. Verse 31. He said to them, Come aside by yourselves to a deserted place and rest a while. For there were many coming and going, and they did not even have time to eat. So they departed to a desert place in a boat by themselves. So get the picture. The entire team is exhausted. They've given out their last. They haven't even had a chance to eat. And who knows, not had a chance to sleep. Can you imagine everywhere you go, there's thousands and thousands of people pressing on you, pulling on you, pulling on you, pulling on you. You're at your end. You've had it. So Jesus says, okay, guys, I feel this. I, I feel you guys, what's happening. Let's, let's go to a desert place. Let's go and let's just recoup a little bit. Let's, let's, let's go to... Let's go to the golf course. Hallelujah. <laughs> let's go. Let's, let's do a little getaway. And somebody discovered them. And before you know it, when they got to the other side, the crowd was waiting for them. That's the picture. These guys are on fumes already. And after looking at them and seeing them, the crowd just waiting, all the sick people, all the hurting people. Jesus was able, it was the compassion of God that he allowed it to rise up on the inside. And compassion will help you do things that you thought you could never do. It will take you to places you thought you could never get to. 
And it was in that moment he made a decision. Let's, he, he, he responded immediately by teaching them. He had compassion on the people. Remember, they're on fumes, right? Somehow he got a second win. And then after that, it says that he said, now we can't send them away, they're hungry. Remember what condition his team is in. They're famished. So then, of course, the miracle happened. Miracles will happen when you operate in compassion. I'm going to go to this side and say it over here. Miracles will happen when you operate in compassion. Oh, I want to see the miracle power of God. Where are the miracles? Where are the miracles? I'm going to say, where's your compassion? Just a word. All right. So, you know, there's several parables that we could allude to, but for the sake of time, I'm not going to go into all of them. Of course, there was the, un- the, 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 the compassion. So much. This is good stuff, you know. It's hard to just preach once in a whoever blue moon and just try to get it all in. But here's a thought. Um, there's the story of the demoniac of Gadara. You know, he, he approached there. This guy's crazy and everything. Well, Jesus cast the devil out of him. And then the guy wants to join up Jesus and go where Jesus goes. He goes, no, 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 no. Instead, stay where you are and tell your friends what compassion God has had on you. Compassion. God put himself in his place. He, he, and, and the power of God flowed for healing. Of course, there's the unforgiving servant. Oh, my. You, y'all better start walking in some forgiveness here. Wow. Therefore, let's, let's go to Matthew 18. I feel pulled to do this. Matthew 18, 23 through 35. We may skip around. Y'all hang with me. This is like a rodeo up there. Who's up there? Oh, grace is good. Okay. The grace of God is on grace. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Listen to this. Matthew 18, 23 in the New King James says this. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a certain king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. And when he had begun to settle accounts, one was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents. But he was not able to pay his master commanded that he be sold with his wife and children and all that he had and that payment be made. The servant therefore fell down before him saying, Master, have patience with me and I will pay you all. The, then the master of that servant was moved with what? Compassion. Compassion. Released him and forgave him the debt. But look what happened in 28. But the servant went out and found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii. And he laid hands on him and took him by the throat, saying, Pay me what you are. And his fellow servant fell down at his feet and begged him, saying, Have patience with me, I will pay you all. And he would not, but went and threw him into prison till he should pay the debt. So when his fellow servants saw what he had done, they were very grieved and came and told their master all that, he had, that had been done. And his master after that... He had called him, said to him, you wicked servant, I forgave you all that debt because you begged me. And should you not also have compassion on your fellow servant, just as I had pity on you? And his master was happy about it. No, no thank you. I just want to check. His, his master was angry and delivered him to the tortures until he should pay all that was due him. And so my heavenly father will also do to you if each of you from his heart does not forgive his brother his trespasses. Now, I want to I want to show you the significance of that story because if you dig just a little bit deeper, you could you could have a little more take home. I want to show you what a 100 denarii is worth. It's worth a third of a year's salary of a day labor back there, okay? A 100 denarii was one third of a year's salary or 4 months 
of wages. Now, suppose you continue to work as a day laborer, earning 300 denarii each year. After 20 years of such labor, you would have earned 6,000 denarii. At this point, the king would say to the debtor, congratulations, you've worked for 20 years and have now earned 6,000 denarii. That's enough to pay back one talent. Now you only have 9,999 more talents to go. Check it out, guys. From this, we can easily see that if it takes 20 years, 20 years to earn one talent, then repaying 10,000 talents would require working 200,000 years. How absurd then for the servant to beg for mercy and tell the king that he would pay back everything as as a day laborer. He had no hope, almost literally, not in a million years of ever repaying the debt. Think about it. Think about it. So, you know, Jesus comes off with some really amazing stories. So can you see this amazing kind of debt that, that the master forgave? And when this guy had a pretty insignificant debt, he wasn't forgiving. What do you say we get on the ball and start forgiving people? <laughs> I mean, after all, hasn't God forgiven you? Hallelujah. Just a thought. How many of you enjoyed that? Just, I thought that was pretty significant. Okay, let's see where we're going with this. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to skip on over. Uh, I'm going to skip on over to what I have compassion. I have a, I guess they call it an acrostic, just to encourage you as you go your way today about how you can start enacting compassion in your life. And first of all, for C, we're going to challenge our church today with the word care. Allow God to care through you. Just care. Listen, there's enough people in the world that could care less. I think saying I could care less should not be a part of our vocabulary. It should not, not a Christian. No, no, no. We should be sensitive to people. We should be open to people. Amen. So care. C, allow God to care through you. O, open your eyes. Jesus said, lift up your eyes and see the fields are white under harvest. Listen, there's plenty of hurting people in the world. There are so many. Everywhere you turn, somebody's hurting somewhere. Somebody needs love. Hello. So open your eyes, open your mind. You know, I remember going to, uh, uh, going to witness with Nick Ken, one of the outreaches where thousands of people were, were um, one to the Lord in, in a weekend. And I had the privilege of go, going side by side with Brother Nick. And boy, we were just ministering Jesus to so many people on the streets. It was awesome. But then there was one time, I, this was so, it was so successful and I felt so encouraged by this. I said, hey, let's, let's go to that car over there. And Brother Nick looked to me because he was taking the lead all the time. So then I thought, you know, I think I got this. Hey, Brother Nick, let's go to that car over there. Look, it's got several guys in that car. And then he said, do you have a, do you have a leading? I never heard that before. What do you mean, do you, ha- do you have a leading? What, what do you mean, do you have a leading? He says, wow. He says, well, well no, he says, I, I don't have a leading. He says, there's, there's something not right over there in that car. There's a, they're, they're not ready or there's something very evil. I learned something that day and I want to impart it to you. We're here to be a light, right? And we're going to walk in the anointing. Jesus said, nothing shall by any means hurt you. Is that right? But we also need to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit of where to get involved. When the Holy Spirit touches your life and says, go over there and get involved, you get involved without fear. I don't care how much time it's going to take. You know, if, you're, if, you're, if you've got a leading of the Lord to go and help that person, then just get in and roll up your sleeves and do it. 
Now, I just want to encourage you about one more thing. You don't always have to, it's not that you have to sign your life away. Sometimes five minutes will make a difference. A thinking simple phone call can do enormous things. I became aware of what a simple phone call could do. I was working under the house um, at, on the foundation and stuff. And we have a crawl space, I don't know, 18 inches or so. And, you know, it's, it's really dark and ugly down under a house. How many of you have ever gotten under a house? Guys, crawl under there. I don't know, plumbing, electricity, uh, uh, whatever. Okay, we got some hands. So it's not a very pleasant place. And there might be, shall I say it, spiders. That'll elicit a human emotion. Ew. <laughs> spiders. And maybe other critters. So anyway, I was under there. And you know, I was somewhat disappointed. I did not expect my wonderful wife to crawl under there with me. Because dear Lord, I want her with the ew, spiders. But at least I wanted some, somebody say moral support. And you know, the time went on, the time went on. And I got nothing. I don't know. I kept thinking on the inside of me like, what's taking her so long? I thought surely she, I was all the way deep, deep at the far end in that dark hole oh my gosh it was horrible I was getting I was getting just irate almost because like where is she where is she but then guess what she the, 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 the little trap door was open so she finally finally she let me get up here so you can see me finally she crawled under there and, and she said hi honey <laughs> oh Jesus I needed that hi honey how's it going I can't tell you the kind of courage that brought in my heart. You know, now now learn something, friends. A good word makes the heart happy. Encouragement. Somebody that's going through a hard time. Just a little five-minute phone call can do amazing things. I became aware. Like, finally, she says, how's it going? Well, of course, it's going bad. I'm just dirty down here. Sweaty. And I've got, you know, uh, what do they call that stuff? Not styrofoam, but that stuff that's itchy. Yeah, insulation, you know, fiberglass, like, ooh, and there's bugs and spiders, ooh, and there I am down there, and I mean, and there I am doing all this work, but I felt, I felt something when she said, hi, honey, and how's it going, and that, and it's just, do you need anything, well, well, yeah, can I have something to drink? <laughs> Hallelujah. Hallelujah, a good word, just that did so much for me. Picking up the phone and just calling a friend when you know they're going through something can do so much. Let's do it. Let's pick up the phone. Minister a good word. Open. Be open to it. Have an open mind, an open heart, and an open hand. Let's go to M, which I seem to have missed in the first service. Sorry. M, move. Let compassion move you. You will be able to do things with a spirit of compassion flowing through you that otherwise you could not do. It's like this powerful energizer, you know, that when you're tired and exhausted and you thought you couldn't do it, you can. Hallelujah. Move. So, so far, we've got C, care, O, open, open your eyes, M, move. Then I've got a P, which I seem to have missed in the first service. Pray, pray. You know, seek God. Like, like, you know, you're just like me. Everywhere you go, there's people with, uh, will work for food or hungry, help, whatever. You know, can you, buddy, can you spare a nickel? I mean, every, everywhere you go, I mean, we're surrounded by those too. So instead of being callous like the rest of the world, why don't you at least pray and just touch on the inside? Say, I wonder, Lord, is this one that I should do? 
Now let me give you a little example of pray. Um, there was a kid that was going door to door when we used to live in Castro Valley. And this was a young man. He couldn't have been more than... He, I, I'm pretty sure he was at least 18. But he was a skinny little guy. You know, and, and kind of really, tell you the truth, oppressed. And not a good salesman at all. In fact, I think I'd, I'd give him a C minus minus to feel sorry for the guy. But he's selling soap door to door. Like, dude, that is a bad product to be going to door selling soap. It's the stuff, you know, spray, degreaser, whatever. And I'm going like, so, so ding dong, you know, like, oh boy, what's this? Some religious people or whatever. So I open, the, I open the door and it's this young man. And can I just tell the truth about it? It was horrible. Hi, I'm selling this. <laughs> I'm selling this product. It might have been amazed. This is really good. I mean, it's horrible. I mean, dude, I, I felt sorry for the kid. This degreaser will kill clean and it is non-toxic. I felt so bad for the kid. So he definitely is in the wrong calling. And I was busy. I'm busy, you know. I said, okay, you know what? Thanks. Thank you so much. But I, I hate to say this, but you know what? I'm, I'm really not interested. We, we have all the degrees here we need. Thank you. Um, anyway, um, um, have a good day. Uh, close the door, you know, go on with my thing. And something on the inside of me scratched. You got to pray. I felt something. Christian, you got to be able to let God help you to feel something. I went up to Kimberly and I said, honey, there was this young man that just, you know, heard that doorbell? Yeah, yeah, yeah. There was this young man selling <laughs> soap, ha! selling whatever degrees or whatever. He says, but there was something about that kid. I just couldn't get it. I couldn't shake it. I said, I, said, I don't know. I think he's in trouble. I think that kid's in trouble. Yeah? He says, yeah. And, and man, look at, so we saw him go, we saw him go out of our complex and really horribly oppressed. I mean, you hate to see a young person like that. Yeah. So he's going down the street there on Forest Avenue, and, I, and so I said, you know, hon, I can't shake this. I got to go, well, do what you have in your heart. So I dropped what I was doing, and I went down the block, who knows, quarter bar, part of the block, and I, and I went to him, and I says, hey, excuse me, excuse me, how's it going? Do you sell anything yet? He goes, no. He goes, oh, I'm sorry to hear that. Did you sell anything today? No. He says, are you doing okay? Well, mm, I don't know. I said, look, I'll tell you what, I'll buy the whole, how much you got there? I'll buy it all, just bring it over to my house. Come on, come with me, come with me, come with me. So he, we brought him back to my house, sat him down, I said, what's your name? It says, tell me your story. How, by the way, how much, how many you have, 12 bottles, okay, whatever, buy the whole box for you. Well, I'm buying, I introduced him to Kimberly, you know, Sterling was around, hi. Tells us his story. He's a young man, ran away from home. And he's stuck with this company, and he's got to sell this stupid soap. <laughs> and, and he's not doing well at all, and they have a stranglehold on him. I mean, he could, he could leave if he could pay for his way, but he, he, he's not making any money. So they're really riding him, and you know, he's hitting the streets, and he's horrible at selling this because he wasn't called to sell soap. Now, I know people like my friend Paul Vernosi, I said in the first service, that bro, he could sell a... He could make you pay $500 for a phone book. I mean, that guy can sell, but not this kid. This kid couldn't sell at all. So I said, tell us a little more about your story. Well, I ran away from home, and I just, and, you know, says, listen, I know this is real personal. Trust me, we're not going to hurt you. We're just here to help, all right? So let me move on to the story. How many of you with the story so far? This really happened. 
So we said, I, I said, so where's home for you? Well, I left home. I just, it's a bad scene at home. My dad was violent or whatever. So he just ran away from home to escape from that. And I said, I see. He says, well, do you have any other relatives? Well, I have a sister, I think, in Colorado or something. He says, but that's, you know, I have, I have no phone. I have no money. I have nothing. I, says, I said, hang on a second. We're going to help you. We're going to do something. Now, here's the first thing you see. You open your eyes and you see it. You do P, you pray. And then M, you're going to move. You're going to move toward it. I say, okay, now listen to this, Christian. When you're operating in a spirit of compassion, you may not have to do the whole thing, but but you can be a part of the answer. True story. So what we did was uh, I said... Let's, do you know your sister's phone number? Yeah. So we got the sister's phone number and we called her. He couldn't believe somebody's being this kind to him. We called and I said, hello, is this so-and-so? She said, yes. Says, is this a good time to call? I'm calling from California. I'm a pastor in Hayward, California. And I have your brother right here in my living room. And we want to put you guys together. Oh, is he there? Where is he? I mean, we don't know where he was. Like, just he disappeared. Oh, my God. I said, just a minute. I'll put him on the phone for you. So she connects. Oh, my gosh. What a reunion on the phone as they talk. So already I'm scheming with my wife. Okay, how are we going to get this kid home? Now listen, listen. I said, okay, now we need to, we're not going to, we're, we're going to put him, now I'm not going to pay $1,000. I didn't have $1,000 at the time to put him on an airplane, but I said, we could do something. Wait a minute. I know somebody, I know somebody that works for the airline and has those buddy pass things. And so I called my friend while he's on the phone with his sister. I'm calling on the phone with my friend. Hey, I, I need to pull a favor from you. Listen, I got a kid that needs to get home to his family. He's lost. Here, he does not belong. He's got to get back to his family. Can you help us out? Sure, I can help you out. When do you want the ticket? Can I have it by tomorrow? Absolutely. Okay, put it together. What's the kid's name? Here's the kid's name. Hello! So while he's talking to his sister, we're putting the ticket together. Hallelujah. So then I hang up. I says, we're going to help you get home. He says, okay, all right. I says, now, it's, it's Saturday. So, um, oh, no, was that Friday? So I says, this is how we're going to do this. Uh, how, can you, how can you leave that place? Well, I can, I can sneak out early. Why don't you say you're coming to church, which he did. I saw him at Royal Avenue. He had a, a garbage bag with what little belongings he had. He had a garbage bag, and he was sitting on the step of the church. He got, he got up before everybody else and took off. Now, he didn't steal anything. He paid, and he, he provided whatever payment that we made for the product. You all understand that. But he came, showed up at the door, and he says, Hey, it's so good to see you. So, so he, he sat through the service. And by the way, we brought him home that, that afternoon for lunch. We were able to lead him to Christ. And then we were able to go through our closets and he said let, let, give me that garbage bag we're going to put it, give you a suitcase that's how you're going to travel was a suitcase Sterling emptied out some things they were about the same size they put some clothes on the guy so we gave him some clothes we gave him a suitcase we gave him something for spending for the road praise God and he says, I said now tomorrow you're going home Amen. and we drove him to the airport. He was in the arms of his sister by Monday afternoon. Hallelujah. Something that he thought was impossible. You know how many people are in a situation like that? They're just in trouble. And you might tell me like, well, man, I, there's not a whole lot I can do. Oh, really? You might know somebody that knows somebody that knows somebody. A resource, something, something. Have, say, have a heart. 
Oh, there's, there's, a, there's a little part of the story that's pretty amazing how we were just driving. I was driving Sterling to school, and that's how we reconnected with this kid and said, we got it. We got a ticket and meet us at church here. It was, it was just like driving that little, I called it the Calcagno route between, it was little streets, back streets between Castro Valley and, and, and Hayward in here. But God is good. We found him on the street. And he goes, oh, not now. They're driving around. He says, you see that guy? He's driving. Okay. So we kind of drove around the block, hide from the guy. Okay, whatever. Okay, he's gone. Okay. And we tell him this is how it's going to go down. And God God helped him. Care. Open your eyes. Open your heart. Open your mind. M. Move. Let compassion move you. P. Pray. Stand ready to pray and, and, and consult with the Spirit of God of what to do. A. Act. Let compassion motivate you to do what you can do. S. Seek. Compassion always seeks, actively seeks out people, not to avoid people like what the Levite did, right? Like he said, oh, there's a guy beaten and bleeding on the street. Ooh, let's go on the other side. You know, ooh, let's avoid that. I don't want to get involved. No, no, no. But you're seeing, you're looking for opportunities. That's what harvest looks like. Somebody say that's what harvest looks like. The other word is share. Share what you have and what you know. Well, I may not, I don't have very much. You would be surprised. Sometimes when we clean out our house, I am shocked at what we consider like, oh, get rid of that. Oh, I don't like the style of that or whatever. I'm like, dear Lord, dear Lord, the people like shoes that didn't fit quite right. Eh, I wore that one time, but whatever. Just throw it away, you know. Like, do you realize the people that have nothing, no shoes to wear? You know, we ought to be thankful for what we do have. But more than that, we got to be stewards of what we have. You have a whole lot, praise God, more than you think. Don't let the devil ever... Uh, lie to you and tell you that you don't have because you do have and you can share what you have. How about this? I identify. Compassion identifies with the one suffering. The Bible does say bear ye one another's burdens, doesn't it? You do this, you, you do this in such a way. Another one is interrupt. Another I have two eyes. Identify and then interrupt. By the way, identify, it says in the book of Hebrews, for we don't have a high priest which cannot be touched with with the feeling of our infirmity. In other words, he feels, Jesus feels what you're going through. But he's more than just a feeler. He can do something about it. And he did do something about it. You know, praise God. So so uh, it wasn't just theology here, friends. It's Jesus. Yeah, we're faith people. We Yeah, we walk by faith and not by fi- sight. But yeah, but we could feel the hearts of people. We could feel when people are hurting around here. I, another I besides identify is interrupt. Let compassion interrupt your day. It's never going to be convenient. It's always going to be interruption. So just plan on it. Plan on looking for times that might be an interruption. Put a little extra time cushion as you're looking. I know people that go to work specifically to minister to people. They say, you might think that I'm coming to the job to do plumbing, but I'm, what I'm really here is I'm here to, to share Jesus with people. You would be surprised how many people you will come across if you take on that mentality. Oh, opportunity. How many are you writing these down? Opportunity. Make the most of every opportunity to bring the love of Christ to people. And be a neighbor, a person who shows kindliness or helpfulness toward his or her fellow man. Uh, like State Farm, be a good neighbor and, you know, just be there. Just be there. You know, you see, you, you find out that somebody had a stroke across the street. How many of you know the names of your neighbors? 
You know the name of the people that live on the side of you, and you know the people that live across from you, okay? You're, you're a hero, you're a hero, 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 hero. All right, you know all the people? Okay, you only have one neighbor, though. Hey, watch it. <laughs> Do you see? Do you see what's happened to us? We've become so suspicious and so protective that we just don't want to, don't want to get involved. The next time you see an ambulance drive up, you know, don't say, ew, you know, no, instead you press in, there's something I could pray with you for. Can I fix you a meal? Can I pray for you? Do you know, I, I, I don't have, uh, and I'm bringing this to a close, I don't have statistical evidence for you to tell you these are what the stats are, but I, so far, as far as I can tell, every time that I've asked someone, can I pray with you, most of the time they say yes. They've said yes to me. Like I was, I was at a little appointment one day and I saw a gentleman by the name of Ben. I found out who he was. And he was this little Filipino man. I don't know, he might have been seven, late 70s, 80. And he's getting therapy for walking. And he's just, his name is Ben and he's just working as hard as he can, you know, walking. And he's trying to really walk and really trying to walk. You know, I, I, kept, I, saw, I saw him oftentimes and I said, I went to him, I, I encouraged him. I said, Ben, you're doing real good says, you're doing really good. He goes, oh, really? He goes, oh, yeah, you keep doing that. You keep, you keep walking. Sitting down is not going to help you, Ben. I'm pulling for you, man. You just keep going, Ben. So the next time I went and saw Ben, I, I met him. I said, Ben, what are you doing? Waiting for a ride? See, I had the rapport. Hallelujah. I, says, I said, hey, Ben, how's it going? How's it? I mean, so good to see you. I says, hey, Ben, would you mind if I prayed with you? He goes, oh, pray for me? Yeah, pray. Says, uh, and it says, don't worry, we're praying in the name of Jesus. You know, this ain't no weird thing here. You know, he goes, oh, you, you, what religion you are? He says, oh, I'm just a Jesus person. Don't worry. This is good stuff. He says, can I pray for you, Ben? Right there on the park bench, sitting outside of, you know, the th- a physical therapist, laid hands on Ben. I says, Ben, let, let Jesus minister to you today. Is that all right? He said, yes. And every time I see Ben, hey, hi, Tom. Hi, Tom. Hi, Tom. Hey, Ben. Right on, Ben. What do you say we open our hearts, heart of the bay? It doesn't take rocket science. What it does take is compassion. So how about heart of the bay? Let heart of the bay develop a heart for the bay. Amen. Is that all right today? Hallelujah. Let's pray. Father, we thank you. Thank you for your precious Holy Spirit. And I thank you, Lord for the heart of compassion that you have toward us. And Lord, help us to be courageous as we reach out to touch the lives of other people. Lord, we know that you are the God of all comfort. We know that you do care. And for those that are hurting, Father God, we know that you have an answer. Comfort those that mourn. Pour in the oil and the wine. Hallelujah. Let the oppressed go free. Uh, Encourage, Lord, those that are discouraged. Lord, I thank you for the anointing that is upon us. The Spirit of the Lord is upon us and anointed us. And right now, Lord, thank you that you've infused us with that anointing. You said that the Spirit of God would come upon us and that we shall be witnesses in all the earth. And part of that witness, Father, is that the compassion of Christ will flow through us so strongly that it will move us to minister life and healing to people. And I thank you for your kindness. Thank you for your goodness. Come on, friends. Let's thank him. Hallelujah. Praise God. We worship you in Jesus' mighty name.